sweet, harmonious, and it's a sweet-smelling aroma to the Lord. I know that. Um, he inhabits the praises of his people. And it's always, um, it's always good to be here with the brothers and sisters and just to be able to share what God's put on my heart and, and uh, to receive from you guys what God has done in your life because that's how it works synergetically. Um, I give, you give, and we come out better people when we have the Lord. Amen? Amen? Amen. 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 I usually do that at the church. John, you'll forgive me if I'm out of order here, right? Okay. Well, um, the title is Newness of Life. And let me just start off by saying three things that God saved us from. He saved us from the penalty of sin. John uh, 5, 24, truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but is passed out of death into life. So he saved me from the penalty of sin and he saved me from the power of sin. The scripture tells me in Romans 6, 4, therefore have been buried with him through baptism into death so that Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father. So we too might walk in newness of life. So he saved me from the uh, power of sin. And that's what I want to talk about a little bit. Um, being safe from the power of sin and to be able to live in that newness of life that he has for us. The third point that uh, he saved us from is from the presence of sin, and that will come in the future when we get to heaven. Revelation 21.4 says, And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be mourning or crying, <clears throat> pain, for the first things have passed away. So that's still yet in the future because we're still living in a world, a fallen world. And until we get to heaven and we get our glorified bodies, uh, there's going to be some issues that we need to work through. So he saved us from the power of sin. And I find that mm, the struggle that we all have. As Paul says in Romans 7, and we'll go through that, and in Galatians, um, that the flesh wars against the spirit. But nevertheless, the Lord said that he's come to give life, and he's come to give it an abundant life. Uh, There's not one area of one sin that I have to be enslaved to. Sin comes in many different forms. It's just not the outward sins of gross sins. But it could be a sin of uh, just unbelief. You know, I don't believe God. Or or the sin of fear. That can come into many of our lives. And not to have a double condemnation. But these are areas that I surely don't want. I want what God has for me. He said, I've come to give life. And I've come to give it more abundantly. So... For him to save us from the power of sin, uh, let me just read something, and then we'll go into some scriptures. There's a story, the story is told of a monastery in Portugal, perched high on a 3,000 foot cliff, and accessible only by a terrifying ride in a swaying basket. The basket is pulled with a single rope by several strong men, perspiring under the strain of the fully loaded basket. One American tourist who visited the site nervously halfway up the cliff when he noticed that the rope was old and frayed. Hoping to relieve his fear, he asked, how often do you change the rope? And the monk in charge replied, whenever it breaks. (laughs) You know, this this is how it is sometimes in our own lives. Jesus said this. He's going to finish what he started in our life. It's not like he's going to bring us halfway to heaven and then all of a sudden the rope breaks and we don't make it. 
When you, lo- when you belong to the Lord, He's going to finish what He began. He's going to continue to sanctify us throughout our walk on earth. But we're saved by His amazing grace. Listen to Watchman Nee said. Watchman Nee tells about a, a new convert who came in deep distress to see him. No matter how much I pray, no matter how much... No matter how hard I try, I simply cannot seem to be faithful to my Lord. I think I'm losing my salvation. And he said, do you see this dog here? He is my dog. He's house trained. He never makes a mess. He's obedient. He's a pure delight to me. Out in the kitchen, I have a son, a baby son. He makes a mess. He throws his food around. He fouls his clothes. He's a total mess. But who's going to inherit the kingdom? Not my dog. My son is my heir. You are Jesus Christ's heir because it is for you he died. And we are Christ's heirs, not through our perfection, but by means of grace. Colossians 2.10 says that we are complete in Christ. Now, I recall at the beginning of my walk years ago... um, you know, we all want to love God and serve God, and we should, and, and it's progressive. But I wound myself up so tight uh, in trying to be perfect. I knew I was saved by grace, but yet I was trying to somehow live a perfect life. And I was so conscious of the imperfections. And that's what I want to take you away from. Not to be conscious of the law and the imperfections, but be conscious of who he is in you. And his power in you and his love for you. And that makes a a big difference. So back to the story. Um, I tried to be so complete in Christ. Um, I'd see a sign in the street, you know, walk at the green, not in between. So I'd walk up to the corner, make sure I didn't jaywalk. There would be a sign on the grass. Don't walk on the grass. No matter what, I wouldn't do that. Someone would ask me what time it is. And I would look and tell him, okay, it's uh, 4.45, no, 4.46 and 20 seconds. I wanted to be exact. I wanted to be so right. I didn't want to lie. I didn't want to um, mess up any laws, wherever it was. But I was so under the law, thinking that I was going to somehow one day be perfect. But yet Jesus said, I'm already perfect in his eyes. I've already received his righteousness. When that revelation came to me, um, I was at my brother's wedding many years ago. And I said to myself, Lord, it's in California. I can't come back to New York wound up like that again. I was going insane. I was like a, a time bomb. And... The Lord just spoke to my heart, and it was this scripture of Colossians 2.10. You are already complete in Him. Why are you trying to complete yourself? I was already complete. And when I came back, I had such a freedom, knowing that, wow, Jesus loves me the way I am. He doesn't love me because I take showers every day, or take baths every day, or, or you know, I'm perfect. He loves me because of Jesus Christ. Because he's my righteousness. He's my holiness. So that's, that's what I want to point out a little bit. So we begin in 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Uh, it says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. And may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who calls you. And he also will bring it to pass. So I stand on that. Faithful is he who calls you, and he will also bring it to pass. 
when we come to the Lord, we're in in the process of being sanctified, which means becoming more like Christ. He's conforming us more into His image. Someone once said, the best description is still under construction. And I like that because if I go back to trying to perfect myself, rather than seeing who I am in Christ, you wind up losing joy. You wind up losing faith. Following Christ becomes a chore, becomes legalistic, and you just keep doing things because you know they're right, but you miss the power or the life of Christ. So we know that... He saved us from the penalty of sin. Can we all agree to that? Amen. We know his cross paid for that. But not only it says that his death, we died with him. When Christ died, my justice was paid on him. So it was as if I died with him. But then it also says that I rose with him. It's easy enough for us to say, yeah, my sins are forgiven. But don't forget now, you also rose for him and you have his resurrection life in you and your power. And that's what we want to always tap into is to understand, wow, I also have a new identity. I have his life in me. So the scriptures teach us in Romans 6, 4, Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Isn't that a beautiful scripture verse? That we too might walk in newness of life. You know, we come to Christ because we believe He is the way, the truth, and the life. Theologically, we believe He died on the cross for our sins. But surely, I don't believe that Jesus, when He walked with His disciples, had a sour face. I don't believe He was one that was um, never laughed. I believe He laughed, though the scripture doesn't say that. But then again, the scriptures doesn't say he went to the bathroom either. But we know, I say that reverently, that he did. And we know that he laughed as well. We know that he ate with sinners and he wasn't hung up. We know that he had the strength of God because he knew who he was. And so when you know that you're saved, and you know that Christ is in you, and you know he died on the cross for your sins, and you know that he's perfecting you and conforming you, there comes such a, a desire... To, to just love God and love others. You know, there was a, a bridge being built many years ago. It was called the San Francisco Bridge. And it said, during the initial construction of this Golden Gate Bridge, no safety devices were used, and 23 men fell to their deaths. For the final part of the project, however, a large net was used as a safety precaution. At least 10 men fell into it and were saved by certain death. Even more interesting, however, is the fact that 25% more work was accomplished after the net was installed. Why? Because the men had the assurance of their safety, and they were free to wholeheartedly serve the project. When you know you're saved, you're more productive. If you're always questioning your salvation, if you're always questioning, am I saved or not saved? If Jesus said you have passed out of death into life then you've passed out of death into life. If you know that you're born again, can a baby be unborn? No, can't go back in the womb. If you've accepted Christ and you belong to Christ, then that's your security. You, you, you live in that. You trust Him. It's amazing grace. It has nothing to do with you keeping the law. So we have to understand that this is our new identity.
again, back in Romans 7, 4, it tells us this. Therefore, my brethren, you also were made to die to the law through the body of Christ, so that you might be joined to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that you might bear fruit for God. So I'm joined to Christ in his death for the penalty of my sin, and I'm joined in his life, his resurrection. Why? So that I may bear fruit. Now, what kind of fruit are we talking about? Not talking about Fruit Loops or some fruity people or anything like that. But I'm talking about the fruits of the Spirit, that you may bear fruit. Here it is. The fruits of the Spirit we know in Galatians 5.22. It's love. Who doesn't want love? It's joy. It's peace. Patience. Kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness. Gentleness. Self-control. Against such things there is no law. So he saved us to bear fruit. This kind of fruit is what I like. That's what attracts me to God. As a Christian, when I first came to a church and I've seen the love in in people, it drew me. Wow, what made them different? There was was a singer, John, you probably remember him, uh, Brother Al. When Brother Al used to lead the choir, you know, or lead us in singing. And he had such a jubilance, such a joy, and it was bona fide. And I said, man, I, I want what that guy has. He had joy. And then there were others who I seen literally, you know, they were raising their hands and they had a lot of joy. I said, well, I don't want to mimic that. I want that to come from my heart and let my hands go up as a response to what's in my heart. And it does come, but I really wanted it first. I wanted the fruit of joy. I wanted peace. Maybe, you know, we come to Christ. We know our sins are forgiven, but you don't have peace. Christ says, I've come to give peace. We also know maybe self-control. Maybe we don't have self-control and the fruit of the Spirit is self-control, patience. So this is why he saved us as well. Not just to get us to heaven, but that we would bear this fruit and be changed from the inside out. And I'll tell you what, I need more of that fruit. You know, during the summer months, um, watermelon is one of my favorite fruits. How about you guys? Do you like that? I mean, it's sweet. And if you get a good one, you're happy. If you get a bad one, you're not happy. But it's, it's the fruit that you keep eating that you know is good. And when I start tasting the fruit that God has done in, our, in my life or in the life of others, and I see that love and joy, I say, man, I like to hang out with that. But when I see the deeds of the flesh in that person... And I see envy, I see jealousy, I see gossip. I don't want to go near that. Because that could get a hold of me too. So, you know, we make choices. But I want you to see here how there is a struggle. Paul said in Galatians 5.16, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things you please. So, you think about that. I may not do the things that I please. Well, if I'm I'm in the Spirit, if I'm born again, the things that, that I want, Paul said, to do, I don't do. He made a principle in Romans telling them, telling us that there's a war that goes on inside of him. But he also gives the answer to the victory to overcome that war. Because there's not a one of us here that can say we never have bad thoughts. There's not a one of us here who can't say we never struggle with our flesh. And sometimes it comes out, to be honest with you. 
And when it does, what do we do? Well, we repent. We ask God for forgiveness. But we don't throw in a towel. We say, Lord, give me grace to overcome this. So it says, but we are led by the Spirit. Now, here's the scripture of struggle that Paul had in Romans 7, uh, verse 15 through 25. He says this, for what I'm doing, I do not understand. For I'm not practicing what I would like to do. But I'm doing the very thing I hate. But if I do the very thing I do not want to do, I agree with the law. Confessing that the law is good. So now no longer am I, and almost it sounds schizophrenic here, but I want, I'm going to explain to it. He says, so now no longer am I the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. He's making a statement here that there's sin in this body. So Paul is making a statement here that while we're in this body, there's going to, it's a sinful body. You're never going to purify your body of sin. It's always going to be there until you go to heaven and you get a glorified body. And then sin will not exist. So there's going to be a struggle between the spirit and the flesh. But, he says, we have the power to overcome. I just got to recognize it. Paul recognizes and he says, in my flesh no good thing dwells. When I look at my flesh and I look and say, wow, you know, I'm having these crazy thoughts or whatever it may be. I can honestly say, that flesh is still there. Can I get an amen to that? Your flesh is still there. Is anyone here that doesn't have flesh? Raise your hand. I would tell you, you're lying, that's your flesh. So you, you see, we all can admit, there's areas in our life that we know, and that'll be there. But there's victory. It's just recognizing that you do have it, have it in you, but you don't have to give it free reign. You can overcome it and choose not to live in that life. I would rather choose to live and walk in the Spirit, where their life is. So Paul, continuing on, says this, He says, for I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is in my flesh. For the willing is present in me, but the doing of it is not good. For the good that I want to do, I do not. But I practice the very evil that I do not want. But if I'm doing the very thing I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it, but sin in me. He's he's given an objective view here. But sin which dwells in me. I find then, and here it is, the principle that evil is present in me. The one who wants to do good. You see, I've talked to people at times and, uh, and I say, hey, you know, we're all, we're all good. There's not one righteous, no, not one. All have sinned. And I'll talk to someone and I say, you know, you, 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 you sinned, you need forgiveness. Not me, I don't sin. Are you real? You don't sin? No. Have you ever lied? No. And so, you know, people go on and they really believe that they've never sinned. They don't believe that they have a fault in them. I don't know why they say that. But... Paul says, when you recognize that you have a sin nature in you, you can now get healed. You can now get forgiven. But if you never recognize it, you never can be forgiven. So Paul continues here by saying, I find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. For I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man. The inner man only comes to a person who knows the Lord. But I see a different law in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind, and making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my members. I'm getting to the point here. Wretched man that I am, well, who will set me free from this body of death or this body of sin? And he goes on by explaining, exclaiming, Jesus, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then on one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God. I understand. I'm looking to do good. But on the other hand, my flesh, the law of sin. He's not living both lives, but he's saying there is an evil in me. 
But then he gives these wonderful words in the next chapter, in the, same, in the first verse. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. So we ask ourselves, what law am I under? I'm under the law of the spirit. I'm not trying to perfect myself under the law of doing good. That's how we came to Christ. We recognized we could not keep the law perfectly. So when I look at my life, I see myself now not under condemnation. It doesn't give me license to sin, but I look at my past. I don't condemn myself, do you? When things come into your life and you fail and, you, and you're going to blow it or whatever it may be, do you condemn yourself or do you just say, God, forgive me. This is what's inside of me. I know it. And I receive his forgiveness and that's the end of the story. Condemnation comes to people who don't understand that Christ has paid for your condemnation. Why are you trying to beat yourself or why are you trying to hammer yourself and beat yourself to the point where you, you walk out of church? Or you say, I'm not good enough for church. Is anyone good enough for church? Is anyone good enough for the Lord? Not a one of us. Once I start establishing that, if that's my issue, but then there's other issues too that come into my life that I have to yield. And I know what they are. And there's issues in your life as well that you know that God is not pleased with it. And so you yield to it. Later on in that chapter of Romans 8, it says, By the Spirit I put to death the deeds of the flesh. By the Spirit. The Spirit, there's so much power in understanding that God loves me. There's so much power in understanding, God, I I need your grace in this area. I'm not going to try harder. I need your grace, Lord. I admit it. And when you come and you ask God for prayer, when you ask someone else to pray, you're humbling your heart. And God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So that's the key. It's just to humble your heart and say, Lord, I'm struggling with this. Give me grace. And you have someone pray for you. Now, one of the um, freedoms that God gives us is to understand that we are a new creation. You remember the, what was his name now? The bull? What was his first name? He he was with the mafia. Sammy. Sammy. Sammy the Bull. What does that have to do with church? Okay. <laughs> he got a witness protection program. He turned state evidence. So they gave him a new name. They put him in a new location. He had a fresh start. But, you know, you can, you can put paint the spots on an animal and say it's a leopard, but the animal is still there. You know, the the spots will wash off. So he went back to his old tricks. Even though he had a new name, a new start, he went back into selling drugs, and of course he got caught and everything like that. But I use that as an example for me. I have a new identity. I'm no longer under the law. I'm no longer going to be punished for my sins. Jesus did. Could you imagine if someone did a crime... And then they died and they were buried. Do you think that the judge would say, okay, exhume that body. We need to prosecute that body. Of course not. When a person's in the grave, that crime is forgotten. It's done. And so for you and I, if we died with Christ, bam, your sins are forgiven. It's done. Why do you want to pull yourself up out of the grave and try to prosecute yourself? 
Doesn't make sense. So you have a new identity now. You are in Christ. You are his beloved. He's called you by name. Our whole righteousness comes by being in Christ, identifying with him. I died. That old man died. I'm no longer under the law. The law comes to accuse and say, you sinned, you sinned, you sinned, which is our tutor, Galatians says, to lead us to Christ. That's what the Ten Commandments would do. It would show you that you can't keep them. Not that you can keep them. Maybe you were like me, brought up Catholic, thinking if I kept the Ten Commandments, um, that would get me to heaven. Or, you know, the scales would be weighed when you finally got there, and if the good outweighed the bad, boom, you're in. If not... You go to Perk for a while, and, you, and, you, and you, you burn up a little bit, and sins get burned out of you a little bit. But that's impossible. Either Christ completed it, or it's not complete. He said it's complete. He said it's done, finished, telao, which means paid in full. So that's security, you see. You have to leave here and say, wow, I'm going to heaven. Hallelujah. And when you start experiencing that joy, and you just say, wow, I'm going to get a new body, I'm with Christ, I have the Holy Spirit in me, you start listening to God. You start, I can act in love, I can, Jesus, I can love that person, I don't have to stay stymied in in fear or anything else. I want to grow and be productive, because I know I'm going to heaven. So he tells me here in uh, Galatians, uh, well, 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. A new creation. I don't have to fall into those old tapes again. I don't have to start thinking carnal. I'm a new creation in Christ. I've been born again. Can I get an amen to that? And so if you've been born again, you know, you you let the Lord, the Lord, thank you for saving my soul. You know, I go back to that time when I said, you know, I don't want to lift my hands because everyone else is doing it. I want it to come from my heart. And God wants it to come from your heart too. But sometimes, listen to me, sometimes you've got to prime the pump in order to get a little water out. It doesn't always come out on the first pump. So you prime it a little bit. So you give little alligator hands of praise like this. Lord, thank you. And then before you know it, you're up like a giraffe. Lord, thank you. And you just, you're praising him, but you, you do it a little bit. I'm encouraging you here to understand that there's something to be happy about. I've been saved. I've been washed. I'm going to heaven. Amen? So continuing on, he says this. Paul, he's speaking to the church of Galatia. And what was happening with the church in Galatia was they were starting to go back to Judaism. And he had to correct them. He said even Peter had to get corrected because Peter started separating himself with the Jewish brethren who were circumcised away from the Gentiles who uncircumcised who we used to eat with. But he said, hey, we're all saved by faith, so why are you going back to that law? And why are you going back to, to this old way? And it was influencing a lot of others. And so Paul had to address that right to Peter. And he also speaks to um, the people there who are starting to go back under the law. It'd be like you coming out of a, uh, out of somewhere, you know, I'm not bashing Catholicism here, but it'd be like going back there and, and thinking somehow that, you know, the, there's holy water that's going to wash me or there's, you know, I wear that scapular and somehow that's going to get me to heaven. It's, those things are dead. They never saved you. They never can. It's the blood of Jesus and only the blood of Jesus. So Paul said this, for through the law, I died to the law. 
So that I might live to God. That's a purpose. You're totally forgiven. And our purpose is to live for God. And then he continues by saying, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I mean, that's packed. I died with Christ. Nevertheless, I live Yet not I, but Christ in me, through his life, his power, the awareness of God in your life. I mentioned to you earlier when I was trying to be so perfect many years ago, that uh, the scripture that came to life in my mind was a scripture that God was speaking to me all week. And you say, does God speak? Yes, God speaks. Still small voice. He said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I call them by name. He knows you. But sometimes we're so busy or distracted, we think, well, there's God, I'm too unimportant. He'll speak to you. His Holy Spirit, you can grieve. Uh, You can be filled with the Spirit, it says in, in Ephesians, to be constantly filled with the Spirit. So there is a difference of running on empty and running on fullness. But there are ways to do that too. And it's only by faith and trusting that He wants to give all of us more of his fruit in our spirit. Can I get an amen to that? Now, he goes on by saying that I've been crucified, nevertheless I live yet, not I but Christ in me, and the life I now live, I live by faith. Important. Faith in the Son of God who loved me. If his love isn't there, I can't follow God. But I know he loves me. And that's the greatest gift anyone could ever have. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. He goes on to say that in, in Romans as well. So let me, I'm I'm winding down here, a few more verses. And he says this also in Galatians. He says, chapter 3, Foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed and crucified? This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? So let me ask you a question. Did you receive the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, when you accepted Christ? Absolutely. Did you receive it because you were good enough? No. You received it by faith. Jesus said it's a gift. So he's reminding them, hey, when you received the Spirit, was it because you were circumcised? Was it because you were following the Judaism? No. But because of you believed in faith in Christ. Continuing on, he says this. Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain? Indeed, if it was in vain, so then does he, God, provide you with the Spirit and works miracles among you? Do it by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? It's always faith. It began in faith and we walk by faith and not by sight. Faith pleases God, for without faith it's impossible to please God. Faith is not something that comes to the natural man, but it comes by a choice of saying, I'm going to believe in Jesus I'm going to follow his word by faith. So here he says to them, are you so foolish? Did you, are you becoming perfected by the works of the law? Or is it by faith in the spirit of God? And I say it's by the spirit of God. What do you say? Spirit of God. There's no way are you going to perfect yourself. But sometimes, listen, as we live for God... Sometimes we can think that it works that way, and that's the way we have to go. 
And all of a sudden we try, 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 and we start losing the focus of God in our hearts and in our lives. And it becomes boring. Your Christian life becomes mundane. And you just lose the zeal and the joy. And that's something I never want to lose. Can I get an amen to that? I always want to grow. The joy of the Lord is my strength. He closes by saying this. For you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. You were called to freedom. But don't turn that freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Oh, I'm forgiven. God's going to forgive me. Let me go out and party a little bit. He's going to forgive me. I know I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. No, don't do that. Don't do that. But he says, don't allow that joy and that freedom be turned into an opportunity to serve your flesh, but rather serve one another in love. This is your brothers. These are your sisters. He's your pastor. Serve each other. It's in giving that you receive. When you hold on to your life, you lose it. But when you lose it for him, you find his life. It's all about love. And Christ loved us even when we were still loveless. If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. Stay in his word. Live by faith. Get your eyes off of yourself and put them on what he has done for you. You have risen with Christ. It's not positive talk. It's not self-talk that I'm convincing myself. It's the reality. You are under a new law. It's the law of the spirit. Sammy the bull got a new identity. You got a new identity. You're a child of God. Washed, cleansed, no condemnation. Walk in the power of his spirit because it's only in that power will you experience the trueness of God in your life. Let's pray. Lord, I am grateful that we could all share your meal together, your word. Your word is truth. Sanctify them in truth. Thy word is truth. Lord, we are knowing, we know we're on a path. We know that we're not yet there. We know until we get to heaven, we're going to have a struggle. Flesh against the spirit. But we're in the spirit. We have a new life, a new law. And that's you, Lord. And we are here to bear fruit. The fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Lord, we understand that we began in the Spirit by accepting you as our Lord and Savior. And you will sanctify us to the end. Faithful is he who calls you. And he will also bring it to pass. So Lord, with everyone here today, you know our hearts. And I want to ask, Lord, if there's anyone here who's struggling right now, maybe doesn't even know you, that they would just say, Jesus, I need you as my Lord and Savior. Come into my heart. Well, maybe that's not you, and maybe you've been running dry, and maybe you're saying, God, I I need a fresh touch. Fill me with your spirit. I need a fresh touch. And if that's you in faith, just raise your hand and say, that's me. I need a fresh touch. Amen. Amen. And Father, I just want to pray because I need a fresh touch every day. And I just want to ask, Lord, for those who raise their hand in faith, that you will honor them. I know you will. 
Let them sense your love for them. Let them sense their sonship, that they are valuable. Let them see and feel your presence, God. We give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name we say, Amen. Amen. God bless you.